0: He won Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You
1: like me right now. You like
0: me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now, now that I'm on my way? She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill.
2: She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Dancing with the Security Guards Corporation. Yes, our armed guards are just what you need for all of your dance floor security needs. Our men have moved from the foxhole to the foxtrot. This is no jive. When there is a crisis, our security teams know how to hustle. From the cha-cha to the bang-bang, from the quick step to the quick draw, from the country two-step to the Benelli 12-gauge our teams will ensure there's no panic at the disco. Security not required for Rick Perry. Offer not valid. We're prohibited by law. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and welcome to the mid-September edition of the Jim and Mickey Show. Mickey, technically, this is the beginning of football season, but since I'm still waiting for a Jets win, we should point out we're taping this before the Thursday night game, but that still feels like a safe prediction on my uh. part. Um, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, football season won't begin for a couple of weeks. It, it doesn't really – we're still in preseason, right?
1: Well, technically, no, but I know. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. Um, one of the things that caught me at the Steelers opener and Monday night game was that apparently they were unaware of the fact that kickoff was at 7.10 and not at 8 o'clock because the entire first quarter felt like they weren't quite there yet.
2: The, the season opening doubleheader sounds like a really wonderful idea in theory. Um, like, oh, not just one game, but two games. You know, in what-
1: practice, though, yeah, in addition to all of the drama with you know the flag scandal and everything else, the reality of the situation is you're starting a Monday night football game at approximately 10 o'clock at night on the eastern um, seaboard, so on the east coast time. So, yeah, not only it better be like a killer game, and let's just say that the Rams versus the 49ers <laughs> were not going to cut it. And I don't know who thought this was a good idea for the opener.
2: Yeah, well, clearly they felt like they had to pick two West Coast teams. Uh, otherwise, so you're I starting it. Yeah.
1: It's just that in my head, and I'm not going to lie, on Monday and I'm sitting here thinking, again, in addition to all the other things that pissed me off, because I explained to you, I felt like the whole flag interruption thing that those you know three or four handful of backup players did All it really did for me as a Steeler fan was interrupted my post-game glow. The post-orgasmic, cheek-flushed, running, you know, blood just running to your extremities glow that you get from a win like we had for our very first opener was immediately interrupted by Chris Berman talking about things that were about as unsexy and unfootball as I've ever heard.
2: There's nothing like, you know, oh, that's a great start to the Steelers. Now let's see. Kaepernick is walking over to the bench. He he seems to be in a crouch. He seems to be, you know, one leg is going a little bit faster than the other. Yeah, no, I I completely yep. get that. Um, and I don't now, know if course, I
1: ever wanted to, like, break my TV as badly as I did the other
2: night. It, it's going to now be, you know, we'll give you the scores and highlights. But first, how many players stood? How many kneeled? How many joined arms? How many looked like they were bent over a little bit? How many sneezed, you know? Um, question. Okay, so here you and I. So we we saw Kaepernick. He did the knee. Um, actually, I almost want to get Dave's take on this. So, Dave, am I crazy for saying that I feel like a knee? Whether Kaepernick intends it or not actually looks even more reverent than covering your heart. Remember, on the first
0: time he did this, he sat on the bench. He wasn't on a knee and he wasn't at the front edge of the field. He was on the bench behind everybody. But to be on the bench is to separate yourself from the activity. To take a knee is to draw attention to yourself but simultaneously muddy your message. I think Kaepernick is getting a big F, a big fail here, and he needs to go back to either being a real protester or being a real NFL member.
2: Yeah, I'm going to actually put myself in real trouble with both sides right now. Because one is I feel like, the, 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 you know, again, to me, I, I look at that and I see Catholic genuflecting. Right? <laughs> I, I don't see, you know, Avery
0: <laughs> Yes.
2: That's like the most, you know, uh, two knees would be Monica Lewinsky. I right? mean, that's about as subservient as you can possibly get. So uh, taking a knee actually, to me, looks like he's decided to modify his message and that he doesn't want to be misinterpreted, even though I think he's, you know, uh, dumb as a box of hammers um the the other thing was the seattle seahawks there'd been the rumor that the whole team was going to sit for the national anthem and i kind of feel like that's the sort of thing that would have tainted the franchise forever even though allegedly pete carroll is a truther and all that stuff i kind of had this feeling okay they're not going to do that It, it would just be such a public relations nightmare for the players, for the team, for the league, that they're not going to do it. Instead, they did the locked arms thing. Now, call me crazy, I actually don't think that's disrespectful and I kind of like that message in the sense that it's like, look, America's got problems but you know what? Here we are, men of every color, hue, race, creed, and all that stuff, and we are united. That, to me, actually strikes me as a Respectful gesture, whether or not it's actually the way the players intended. it. There have been quite um, a
0: few yeah. uh, quite a few teams with a giant flag on the field, and a lot of the players run to the edge of the flag with the with the uh, law officers and the uniform men, and they hold it up. They help to hold it up. That's a nice counter protest or or is it a counter counter protest? I have no idea anymore.
1: I don't even think it's a protest, okay. Can I just get this out here? my as I have told you guys, as I've told our listeners, as I've told my readers, look. This kid got benched. During that game, he was told he wasn't going to start. He then proceeded to sit on that bench that you just mentioned, Dave, and pout. And then his agent sent out a press release saying that the reason that this backup quarterback who sat on the bench during a preseason game of San Francisco 49er football was because of Black Lives Matter. Then it became a story. Then he shows up at the press conference wearing Fidel Castro t-shirt. I can't wait for him to show up wearing Shay, And then be protesting, and this is the best part, guys. Police brutality.
0: So you don't think it had anything to do with his new Muslim girlfriend or getting a bunch of new friends in that side of life there in Frisco?
1: I honestly think that you give people way too much credit, Dave. You think it was an accident? (laughs) No, I think they're just stupid.
0: The accidental protest.
1: I think they'll do anything for money. I think that fame is money to them and and a currency all of their own. Mm. Um, I think that his ass sat on that bench that night because he got benched. I do not believe it was a protest, and I will probably go to my grave believing that. I think that this was a PR spin after his ass was sitting on the bench pouting and his agent knew that he was going to have to try to get him traded somewhere.
0: She could be right, Jim. This could all be a, a horrible mistake from a horrible attitude.
2: I, I just, I really loved the days when we would, you know, pay attention to what happened during the game instead of before the game. <laughs> because to me, watching grown men suffer concussions and and season-ending knee injuries like RG three um, really is kind of the heart of the game. Um, the the bleed the the beating broken bleeding heart ripped out of the chest. The warrior, of, uh, of football fans. Um, yeah, no, it was a a weird start to the season. I, I don't know about you. the other thing. was I realized there's nothing the league could do about this. If it were up to me, I would never have the season start on September 11th. Um, it's such a weird because you, you begin the morning. I was up in New York um, uh, for mm-hmm. a conference, and we had this you know, just, you wake up in New York, and I you know, kind of in the back of my head, like, I can't believe I'm here. And thinking about it, you watch the live you know, MSNBC. Oh, we talked the live about this coverage.
1: because it was a beautiful day that day, too. And yeah, it kind of a, freaked it
2: you a, out a little bit. Um, and from all that, and then, all right, who's ready for some football? <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like the emotional, um, uh, uh, not even roller coaster, tilt a whirl. You could kind of say going from from one thing to another. Oh, they don't absolutely. control the calendar. Football's on Sundays. I'm not going to except when it's on Thursdays, which is a really terrible idea.
1: Oh, by the way, this whole Thursday night football. I could go on for days about this, but the fact that we no longer have like any break to recover as fans, yeah, it's not fair. The reason we like football to be contained to a certain period of time is because one of the emotional toll that it takes on us and also the physical toll it takes on our liver from all (laughs) the drinking and on our throats and voices from all the yelling, especially, you know, someone like me who's, you know, on air, you might have noticed listeners. My voice is not 100% this morning, and I'm not saying it's because of football, but I am saying it's because of football.
2: See, I was going to observe. I always felt one of the reasons that the NFL was the most popular sport in the the country and also college football is creeping up there is by having one game a week. right? No offense to the fine folks of baseball or basketball or hockey, but by having a couple of games a week, no individual game matters so much. Whereas if you're a foot, an NFL fan or a college football fan, all week long you're thinking of that game ahead and it kind of gets dissected and analyzed and built up and the injury reports come out and it just builds and builds and builds. And then on game day, you wake up, you come out of bed, you put on your team jersey, you get excited. Rah, you know, And then maybe sometimes you, you'll have a Monday night game. So you're sitting around on Sunday looking for something to do, waiting for your team to play. You know that's what
1: I did. Oh, we right, yeah, to I just sat day, around night. in all of my Steelers gear for like five days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just literally changing clothes every day. And I realized, oh, it's still Steeler Day because they had not played yet. And so, yes, it, it took a while. Um, again, you know, I just feel like we as fans need the recovery. I can't imagine what the players must need. But I, as a football fan at heart, 100% about the game. I would really just like this to all go the hell away. <laughs> um, I don't care if they put him on IR. I don't care if you know fans start you know basically burning their jer- jerseys in the parking lot. IR
0: is an uh, idiot reserve, by the way.
1: Yeah, I don't really give a shit what <laughs> they do to them. Like, I really don't care at this point. I am l- your favorite gift come to life, Jim Garrity. Yeah. I don't care.
2: Well, look, I just um, want to observe. You know, I myself. Stop. I myself will have a very hard time rooting for the Jets if I don't get a full, detailed explanation from Ryan Fitzpatrick how he feels about presidential enhanced decision authority and how it relates to the deficit and debt. I, I just, I expect now all of my football players to have fully thought out uh, platforms video. and ideas and all <laughs> that. No,
1: of course not. We never expect that. It turns out that this is. are was- jocks. You shut your mouth! <laughs> don't even get me started on that right now. But I will say this: there was a there was a um, internet hoax going around that James Harrison had tweeted out something about.
0: Yes, I'll break your leg if you if you if you're sitting on the bench at the national anthem. You better have a broken leg. If you don't, I'm going to give, you, give one.
1: you one.
0: But it wasn't real.
1: But it wasn't real. It does not make me doubt it to be true.
0: At all. Maybe he said it and somebody else put it on there.
1: Yes, exactly. I'm not doubting that he said it. I'm not doubting that he thinks it. Because at no time, even though he denied that the tweet was real... Did he deny the sentiment? And,
0: <laughs> and this is why I love him so. And he has other pro-America tweets on it. It's not like he, he wouldn't he have done
1: very, He is very pro-American, and it is very nice when that happens. Also, it's also very bad when your players do things that make you crazy. Um, I might be o- the only woman in the world who didn't like it when Antonio Brown... Tweaked for a little too long the other night. <laughs> One, he wasn't twerking to start. Um, I, 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 he was basically waving his jiggly parts. <laughs> And he did it for entirely 30 seconds too long. And I was with the ref. When the ref threw the flag, I was right there with him because I was like, yep, I've seen enough too. So glad this is
0: radio and you can't see the replay of the tape that all the TV people would be giving you right
1: now. Well, I'll be sure to uh, get that up on our Facebook page. (laughs) That's facebook.com forward slash Jimmy Mickey Show. And with that, uh, coming up, we're going to talk about some of the different things coming up for fall. I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. And you're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, here's a great
1: place to visit if you must do some driving. Your independent Texaco retailer. Ask how he can help you get better mileage with quality Texaco products. And by practicing good maintenance, he also has fine Texaco gasolines, including lead-free Texaco, all with protective and detergent additives. So let your independent Texaco
0: retailer help you get the most out of every gallon of gasoline you use. At Texaco, we're working to keep your trust.
1: Welcome back. We are officially headed towards fall. The kids are back at school. Football has started. And now, the one thing we all wait for, the fall TV lineup. All of our favorite shows are back, along with some always interesting new arrivals to the fall TV schedule. Jim, you've got a kind of an old, new favorite coming back. I'm not sure how this works. Is it a sequel?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, this is a uh, – you, you could say – I'm wondering if it will be a spiritual sequel. So uh, as mentioned last segment, I was up in New York this weekend uh, staying in a hotel not too far from Times Square. And the lobby of the hotel actually looked out in, into one of the corners of Times Square where they have the giant you know, billboards and, and you know screens and all that stuff. And right across from, from the hotel lobby, there's this giant sign – I put up a picture of it on Twitter um, – White letters in blue with a red, white, and blue background says, our next president will not be elected. And I was like, wow, people – Trump really has convinced people the whole thing is rigged. See, Uh, and
1: meanwhile, I'm thinking, yay.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But this is for ABC's new series called Designated Survivor. Uh, it stars Kiefer Sutherland, obviously famous for being Jack Bauer on 24. And the idea is something that a couple uh, writers and, and people have known for years. That Every year at the State of the Union, one member of the cabinet does not attend. They are off in some bunker somewhere. So that just in case, God forbid, a nuke goes off or the Capitol building blows up or something terrible happens and it kills everybody else in government, there is one person. Who is not there? Who will be the president if some, that worst case scenario occurs? And it's usually like the department, of, the secretary of agriculture, or something, like somebody who you'd never expect to be president of the United States, uh, getting stuck. So we could have had, you know, God forbid, you know, President Norman Mineta or something like that, or, or President Tom Vilsack or something. So in this uh, new series, you know, uh, Kiefer Sutherland plays some cabinet secretary who's off sitting one day in a bunker, <laughs> expecting nothing to happen, and all of a sudden. <laughs> You know, the Capitol building blows up and the Secret Service rushes in and he's a president of the United States. And you know
1: what I like about this, Jim,
2: what do you like about what do you like about the thought of the entire government? Shut up. Let, <laughs> let me
1: finish the damn sentence. Look, what I like about this is that I'm over all the dystopian society stories. I'm over all that post-apocalyptic nonsense. I like a happy, cheery story. I think this is going places. Tell me more.
2: Oh. <laughs> In other words, don't tell me about a future apocalypse. Let me know about the apocalypse we're living through now. <laughs> um, so the, the interesting interesting is people aren't. People have said, "Look, he's not Jack Bauer. He's not the same kind of character." And I think Kiefer Sutherland. It sounds like he really wants to uh, demonstrate his range again, and he he's keeps emphasizing, like, "No, this well, clearly
0: is not too-
1: he's not he's Jack Bauer because this is a fantasy."
2: Well, yeah, but in other words, I think he wants. I to mean, fool. like
1: the kind of fantasy that a lot of Americans probably oh. think about.
2: Yeah. So for uh, all <laughs> all of the U.S. Secret Service agents who are listening, and the FBI, and everyone, Homeland Security, that is Mickey White, who can be found in Richmond, Virginia, uh, and I have nothing to do with that. And I'd like they all know IRS where is. to
1: find me. Too. we're close. We're tight like that.
2: All of all of the IRS agents as well who are listening. Um, so them too. The, the thing is they're, they're not saying oh, is this a thriller show? Well, obviously, when you begin the show with the government getting nuked, uh, you kind of have to be. But they say it's also a human drama. Uh, it's not. It's, it was, this is not necessarily going to be another season of 24. Now, ironically, lies. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I wonder if the point is going to be like we, we just we look at Kiefer Sutherland now and we see Jack Bauer and we're just going to want to see this president start shooting people and you know shooting them in the knee to make them talk. You know,
1: who planted the bomb? I think if he's going to go counter Jack Bauer, what you're actually going to see is him sitting in an office all the time and people coming to him and not the opposite. Yeah
2: he's got the President David Palmer role. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, Also known as all of the other TV-type shows. What makes this more interesting about DC is obviously the designated survivor idea. And it's certainly something that while, no, it's not something we ever look forward to, the idea of it is certainly interesting and, more importantly, kind of lays out One of the most basic things about our government is that somebody was thinking ahead. You know, America apparently was founded by preppers. I think that there's a lot lot of um, there's a there are people that watch 24 that don't care. They could have called this 24 season 107 or whatever it is, and they would have watched it. It's going to be difficult. If they continue with this 24 character, for those of us who did not watch 24, you know, it'll be interesting if it draws in a new audience. It'll be also interesting to see if he's able to maintain the energy that was brought forth with 24 and hold on to that audience.
0: I'm concerned that the whole idea of continuity of government is to preserve things that are economic and market-based to stop collapses. See, the same bunch is in charge. But if you have, you know, the secretary of goofing off on Thursday becomes the president and the rest of them are dead, I'm not sure you can argue to the market makers that there's enough continuity there to prevent the next collapse. I think the basis of the show is just not very realistic from the beginning. I guess that's what I'm trying to say.
2: Well, thankfully – (laughs) <laughs> you know, this is a hyper-realistic scenario, just like uh, the, the bombing of the State of the Union scheduled for 2018.
1: It's no, um, <laughs> just like 24 was realistic. Come on. That daughter was kidnapped like four times in a day.
2: <laughs> By mountain lions. It was, you know, intelligent mountain lions. The the thing that I'm just kind of thinking about here is that um, uh, Tom Clancy wrote about this in one of his novels, Debt of Honor, uh, in which an airliner crashes into you know, the capital. Japanese guy. Yes, and uh, after the very realistic U.S.-Japanese War. Um, and the, the idea was that Jack Ryan, uh, Clancy's hero, had been national security advisor. And because the current vice president had re- resigned because of a scandal, Jack Ryan was being asked to be this placeholder president just for six months until the end of the term. And, of course, you know, the Capitol building blows up. And now all of a sudden Jack Ryan is the president of the United States. And he's, you know, got to – I guess here's, here's a scenario that will be interesting to see if they explore in this show. It's one thing to be, okay, don't worry, we still have a president, we have somebody in the line of secession who's that. That person is going to be facing probably the biggest crisis in the country <laughs> since Pearl Harbor, right? I, you know, all The entire capital is gone, and presumably a good chunk of the Supreme Court, and, and you've got to organize elections, and you know, I mean, it's... That's a lot um, of responsibility
0: for the secretary of goofing off on Thursdays, is all that. Yeah, so.
2: you know, or... or it's-
1: I, again, I, I, I think it's only clear to tell the listeners my opinion on this, um, it, which is that I think it also indicates how valuable um, both authors, writers, and people in Hollywood feel that the president actually is. In an election year, something to keep in mind... They believe that the person who, you know, is in charge of goofing off on Thursdays is just as equipped to handle something that would be, in my opinion, way more devastating than anything any country's really ever faced. We're talking like the fall of Rome type shit here. And Hollywood seems to think as long as it's for Sutherland, they got this.
0: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he can handle it. He's for Sutherland, right? Well, and
1: again I, I think it's interesting because it is something that we've seen in previous shows and movies certainly um, and obviously tons of books, political thrillers written on the idea that the president suddenly can't do it, think of Dave Dave, the movie Dave like yeah. where suddenly the president can't do it but there's this guy who looks just like him so he comes in and does a better job that gives an indication of what Hollywood thinks about the president I also think that when you look really, really hard at Eddie Murphy's "The Distinguished Gentleman," you get Jeff a nice Johnson, idea. You, know. you, yeah, exactly, Jeff Johnson, the name you know. <laughs> um, I think you get a really good idea of what the uh, the people in Hollywood, and even more to the point, maybe some of the people in you know normal America who are not addicted to politics think about both our government, politicians, politics in general, because there's so much truth in. The uh, distinguished gentleman, that it kind of hurts your teeth.
2: Yeah, and that was not one of Eddie Murphy's huge hits, and maybe it, it deserved to be. It's, we perhaps some, some valuable lessons in there about that. Um, so, Mickey, is there any other fall shows that you're itching to to watch, or that you're uh, curious about? Or
1: I'm certainly, as you know, as our listeners and as my readers know, we, I'm a huge Criminal Minds fan. And so I am super excited as it returns to, um, a, I don't know, season number 775. It has a brand new cast coming forth this season because of so many changes that took place, having absolutely nothing to do with the storyline. Because Hodge, Agent Hodge, who has been the main character since um, Gideon left, which was, of course, uh, Mandy Patinkin, he had an issue on set over the summer, which apparently was issue number God knows how many, and they fired him. And so this is a main lead character that got fired um, mid-filming of a major series. I'm curious as to what they do with it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Agent Jenkins went to the bathroom and he never came back.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that rolls out. There is a new show that's getting a great deal of hype called The Good Place. And this is a show that has so much potential. With the cast that is put together with Ted Danson, as everybody knows him um, from Cheers. And you also have Kristen, why why is her last name freezing up? Chenoweth? Bell?
0: What? Chenoweth, the little
2: tiny one? It's not Chenoweth, is it Bell?
1: Yes, Jesus, thank you. Kristen Bell, and you want to count me in, I'll just say her damn name. I have no idea what froze on again.
0: We're good. I'll uh, I'll take care of the editing. You just start again and say Kristen Bell and say what you were going to say.
1: Sorry. Go ahead. Kristen Bell, who, you know, both of these people are phenomenal actors and great comedy actors. The show, however, is set in heaven, and the entire concept is basically liberals writing about heaven and what they think it might be like. And Kristen Bell is someone who slipped through the cracks and got into heaven, even though she doesn't think she probably belonged there. My new game for the fall is the under over on how long it is before this show gets canceled.
0: <laughs> As if any any conservatives in America will be interested beyond the first ninety seconds. You know, half the I audience is gone right away.
1: Down, I don't think it's going to come down to political lines. Yeah. I think when you put to a show, put together a show that is literally gimmick after gimmick. This is the new Caveman series, if you will.
0: <laughs> That's a good point.
2: Good point. <laughs> Based so solidly on such a firm foundation of character building. Right? I'm wondering <laughs> if the, uh, the founders of the American Atheists will be uh, protesting. Just, just very upset that it even depicts the existence of heaven. You know? If they have a meeting, Geico will ensure it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Nice. As I say, it's, uh, we will see whether these uh, shows thrill or disappar- Disappoint. Uh, We'll be talking about something that you will count in that category of wonderful concept, disappointing execution, right after this. Everyone asks, Corinthian leather? Of course, why not the best? It's the same with our new Chrysler New Yorker. It gives you everything. Powerful V6, anti-lock brakes, front-wheel drive, rich leather, 770 protection plan, and Chrysler's exclusive crystal key program, complete car coverage with owner care that's even better than Rolls-Royce or Mercedes. Chrysler New Yorker gives you the one thing you always wanted in a luxury car. Everything. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And Mickey, you and I put together what we think is a pretty darn podcast, a pretty darn good podcast every week. Um, Just out of curiosity, Mickey, do you listen to a lot of other podcasts?
1: I do um, because, well, one, you know me. I am constantly looking to be entertained. And two, because there's just so many different types of podcasts out there for it.
2: Okay. Have you encountered one that is apparently phenomenally popular? Apparently like a million downloads in one month. It was apparently – I had never heard of this until very recently – to Night Vale.
1: Welcome to Night Vale is one that I have heard a great deal about. I just haven't started listening to it yet, so I'm dying to hear what you say because um, a friend of ours, Dana Lash, was also talking about this, and she's apparently a fan as well.
2: Okay, see, see, now here's the thing because I uh, was was going through Amazon the other day. You know, they make recommendations. If you like this book, you might like this. You know, these other ones. And someone recommended Welcome to Night Vale. Um, There's a book. There's several book versions of it. Uh, The first one is called Mostly Void, Partially Stars. Welcome to Night Vale. And it's apparently just transcripts of the podcast. Um, and it has what I think is one of the single best concepts for a show ever. You ready? You said, you know, picture a town in the southwest, unspecified state, where every conspiracy theory you've ever heard of is true. <laughs> the aliens have landed. Ghosts are real. There are secret underground bases. There are shadowy conspiracy theories, um, monsters, every conceivable thing that you've ever seen from uh, Stranger Things and Twin Peaks and Gravity men, Falls. And in black. Good grief. Is there in this town. And all of the locals have just kind of gotten used to it.
1: I kind of love this concept. Continue. I kind of love it.
2: Oh, and so you can picture the idea. Or Bigfoot, or aliens, or something, and just kind of getting used to it. And just all right, no, there they are. This the, no, the aliens are back again, Floyd. You know, um, and for the, about the first, you know, and people kept. Uh, I, I I keep in mind I am reading the book of this, and then I went back and I tried listening to a couple of the podcasts. It's a.
1: And how did you do on the podcast versus the books? Just out of curiosity.
2: Okay uh, the the book is not anything special. Here's the problem. It is a really wonderful concept. But we really don't spend a lot of time exploring any of these you know, multitude of mysteries that are out there. Um, it's, it's done almost in the form of like the local NPR broadcast, which in some ways could be even funnier, right? The idea of you know, an announcement about the local dog park that, oh, so by the way – it's
1: legitimately more like a show versus something you'd want to pick up and read in a book. I mean yeah. you don't want to pick up every um, screenplay that's out there and read it.
2: Yeah, so that, the first thing is it's the difference between reading Shakespeare versus watching it being performed. But uh,
1: Nice analogy and you used it on a podcast.
2: Yes. Boom. Yeah. Um, so the, the idea is the town uh, – at one day there's a pyramid that appears and talks to people in the middle of the day. Uh, the next day oh, – the, the first one is about a dog park that people are not allowed to use. Dogs are not allowed to use don't get too close to it. If you see strange hooded figures entering it, don't ask them any questions. Don't talk to them. Do not Jim speak to the dog. You know, like it, it's kind of funny and absurd, but it's basically the same joke over and over and over again in different forms. And it just kind of piles up absurdity. There's no consequence to any of this. and, and um, I. So I think that's
1: kind of the point of the show, though. I think you may have made the mistake of reading it first. Um I would also add to ask you, um, because you know the inflection of the voice. This is why um, you know this is now you're making my little media heartbeat. Okay. This is why we talk to people about the ability to create theater of the mind through radio and now through podcasts, and you know the things that we're able to create through not just sound effects, but the intonation in our voice and the story in which we are telling and the picture we want to paint and. A lot of times that doesn't convey if you're just reading a transcript. It also, you know, and when you're explaining all of this to me, am I wrong to assume that it's as though the underground building in Men in Black suddenly took over a town?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good way of, of putting it, yeah. Yeah.
1: And instead of you know just agent k and and what walking around knowing what 's going on it 's like the whole people in the town know what 's going on, and so they 're functioning there. maybe it was maybe it was someone 's idea as they were watching amen in black
2: mm. um, It really was one of those things where I, I kind of picked it up thinking that part of the story would be like, well, why is there this pyramid in the middle of the town that talks to people?" Or, why can't you go into the dog park or something? And it becomes very clear none of these are really going to be explored. <laughs> none of these are really going to be explained. It's just, That's
1: just not the point of that, this particular yeah.
2: vehicle. Yeah, and, and so I, I clearly was expecting something very different. So I guess having I seen. Well, now helpful, you're talking
1: about it, and I'm like, I kind of want to listen to this now.
2: All right, there you go. Well, good. Because uh, I can tell, just from you know, the, the, the Amazon reviews, people, there are some people who just adore this show. And I'm walking around feeling like I'm the guy who doesn't get the joke or something like that. I'm sure maybe there are some, some listeners. I do think that it is much more absurdist than it looks. And I think that, I guess, it could have been a. Look, just by making people giggling the idea of, like, you know, the dinosaurs disrupting the local PTA meeting, you know, there, there's great. enough ideas that can good. be funny as is that if you actually bothered to kind of think through the ramifications, whereas everything is in this, I think you
1: know. Perhaps you over nerded yourself on this one.
2: Oh.
0: I don't know. I don't know. This is America. There's every possibility that a show that includes variations of the same superficial joke over and over and over again for hours and for weeks may be the number one show on TV for years. This is America. Well,
1: I was going to say that is the case for most American sitcoms, which is why I'm thinking Jim overnerding himself by buying the transcript first. <laughs>
2: Well, it's a book, right? I mean, you know, there's nothing well, It's no, a guy.
1: book written based on the transcripts, though, yeah. and there are it, illustrations. A, and...
2: mm-hmm. Well, the other—I'm
1: sorry, that... there are illustrations. So, are you suggesting it's actually a comic book, Jim? No, it's, it's literally it's a book. Yeah, are you going to pull it's say graphic novel on it's me not, now?
2: It is not sequential art in panel form. It just has you know <laughs> illustrations every couple of pages. The the the, bigger, <laughs> the other problem with it is. Mickey, picture if you and I had done transcripts of the Jim and Mickey show, published together as a book. And then before each edition, we talked about what had happened that week to us and what had gone – in. how we'd come up with – how we'd pick the topics. People not knowing that we picked them hastily right before the show begins. Um, and, and so there's this That's whole like, – the,
1: the show is to kind of be an update on this little town's activities and they happen to include – Paranormal activities, that's the point of the show. Not figuring out the secrets, it's enjoying the fantastical world of Wayward Pines. Note for for the audience
0: from the producer picking the topics right before the show starts, they're picking them during the show, folks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or sometimes we begin on one topic, but it turns out to be another. That's right. But yeah, this is. um,
1: Again, what has made South Park beautiful for a thousand years, though? You think they're going satirically mocking something that sometimes you don't even realize who exactly is the target till the last 30 seconds. And sometimes it's 100% clear from the very first trailer, as they did this week. Um, for those of you who are celebrating the return of South Park, I feel like now's an appropriate time to mention it because they this is what they do. But I still feel like if I had read a book about South Park, I would not have found it nearly as entertaining.
2: So who was the target on South Park this week, Mickey?
1: Uh, The indications all seem to be they're going after um, what people have come to know as social justice warriors. And they are starting off, uh, and again, by the time this airs, I will have already watched it. But as of this time, I have not. And it's my understanding that they are going after Kaepernick. There's a trailer that you must see if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen South Park. I know not everyone is quite as loyal of a fan as I am. So you're going to have plenty of time to catch up on demand. But they start on this week. get them on Wednesdays at 10. And the first episode, they tease a trailer of everyone singing the national anthem with South Park-esque words, including um, the fact that Kaepernick would be kneeling until someone stole his shit. And then cops wouldn't be pigs anymore. So I'm just saying... It's worth a lot, but I doubt the transcript is something I would enjoy.
2: No, I, no doubt. Um, I'm sure that you know certain things don't work in different formats, and maybe I'm just appreciating Night Vale uh, in the wrong format. Um, but this was, you know, um, maybe at some point, you know, we we talked about you know when you have a cult hit or something that you know that you love, uh, and everybody else just doesn't seem to see it. Uh, this you know, Night Vale is another nice example of how sometimes I am just. I, you, you think I'm being contrarian on this program? Um, just maybe my tastes just aren't um, aren't in line with the majority of the you know the, the audience of the of the public of when it comes to things like this. I, I like David Mamet. Think that every scene should have a purpose. Call me crazy. <laughs>
1: Every scene should kind of have – it's always a good start, but doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen that way. Good Lord. We've seen the projects that get green lighted out there.
2: Well, I mean, that's the thing. Is, you know, I, certainly there are a lot of filmmakers or, or storytellers who can do a lot with a slice of life, right? This is not necessarily uh, dramatic. It's more character-revealing or something like that. It's but, always um, sunny in Philadelphia, for example. Yeah. I, you know, I guess there are certain formats it works well, but
1: – Is you, this the first sitcom for podcasts?
2: Oh, I'm sure there are folks who have tried to do long-form storytelling in the course of this. Um, I'm just kind well, of
1: No, no, no. I've heard a lot of long-form storytelling. This to me though, based solely on what you're telling me, because in your head and all the things we're comparing it to are in fact situational comedies that you find in the television medium. So, the idea of a podcast that's being put together that is basically a sitcom is a little revolutionary.
2: Yeah, no. As you know, as you and I are podcasters, um, there's a part of me that likes that anything that can break through, anything that can actually, you know, you, you, you know, one of the reasons we do a, a podcast is because we don't have our own television studio <laughs> and special effects budget and everything. But someday we will, and it'll be an amazing sci-fi drama, the Jim and Mickey Show. They don't have a uh, producer no. budget
0: <laughs> either. I just it, want to point out.
1: Nice. <laughs> and part of it is obviously production costs. On putting together a decent podcast are significantly lower. Which, um, you know, in the event that you end up having a huge draw like this, you then get paid higher. Um, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but someday, <laughs> someday, Dave, we will. Yeah, I know. And, I know. But, but I like to see that the podcast world is expanding as well. Um, we saw this with Serial. We saw this that they expanded into, you know, true crime and people getting really into it. Podcasting is a fairly new medium and certainly new to the mass public. So anything that introduces this medium further, I'm a fan of. Um, I also like the idea of people understanding that it doesn't take a huge production budget necessarily to put together a good product.
2: Yeah, I'm going to make an interesting comparison here. We see a form of new media – burst out onto the stage and start attracting a, a larger audience. Uh, I'm old enough to remember 2004 when blogging was considered new. And the story was that every, uh, every story about blogging had to refer to Andrew Sullivan, Glenn Reynolds, and Anna Marie Cox. Uh, Your
1: three points of reference?
2: Yeah. No, almost every story, there's this strange new form of political journalism emerging called blogging. Short for weblogging, you know. Um, and that those are the three who'd get mentioned. If you happen to be not one of those three, maybe you agree with Envy for a while. Um, but I think it's where, you know, not things are, think very well of Anna Marie and uh, 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 Glenn that Reynolds guy, now. That but guy. Just kind of observing, and, <laughs> no the <field> omission there. <laughs> um, <I> know, <laughs> but just kind of noticing that, like, when something comes along and makes it big, there are only you know like the the once the media discovers podcasting there will be like two or three that become really big superstars and after that it'll drop off really fast and it's it so it might-
1: like every other medium though and this is the key part to understand when people talk about social media what they mean in many cases is new media and and we are finding all new ways to reach new audiences to expand our entertainment value, to expand what people really care about, which is the advertiser dollar and value. So I, I'm, like I said, I think it's really exciting, but I can also see, like, when you were listening to it, did you find yourself feeling like it was listening to a season or something that was more like an audiobook?
2: Um, I went through each one of them waiting for something new to happen. Um, and being disappointed. Uh, and, and so I guess here's my thing. If if Welcome to Night Vale is going to be one of the breakout stars of podcasting, and people who would never sit at their computer and listen to something like this, uh, it makes them curious because they see a magazine article about it or a newspaper article or or something like that. They've begun doing a live show based on it. Um, this is a really surreal, really absurdist Uh, And I'd argue not necessarily easily accessible program. Not easily accessible, like this program is
0: so easy to access (laughs) in so many
2: different places. Well, yeah, I mean, the idea that, you know, all of a sudden people will think podcasts are absurd and surreal and weird, unless you think this one is. But I don't (laughs) think we are. But we're going to go from the surreal and absurd to the perfectly normal, like someone attacking Ryan Lochte right after this.
0: This segment brought to you by Speedo, because they have to sponsor somebody
2: With the success of the recent Apollo space flights, man has been brought another step closer to the moon. Aboard these manned Apollo flights, three astronauts, and with them, Tang. Tang, the energy breakfast drink with rich natural flavor and more vitamin C than orange juice. Still, Tang's biggest role isn't in NASA's space program. It's right here on Earth. Somewhere back at the dawn of history, man discovered roast duck.
1: Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White along with my co-host Jim Garrity. And, you know, it's been one of those very weird years, Jim. (laughs) I like to think of 2016 as the year that is trolling me personally. Um, And and maybe that will be the title of my book someday. (laughs) The year that the world trolled me. Um, 2016 by, well, damn near everyone, and specifically, poor little Ryan Lochte. And I say this as I enter this particular segment, knowing full well that half of you are going to disagree with what I'm about to say, and again, insert Jim's favorite gif here, I don't care, because... Ryan Lochte, or as I like to think of him as drunk, not too bright, Ryan Lochte, (laughs) when he was in Rio, was in fact held up at gunpoint and was forced to give money to people speaking to him in a foreign language. Therefore, if I were drunk, stupid Ryan Lochte, maybe just even drunk Ryan Lochte, I would have also thought I had been robbed. So... I happen to fall on the side of if I were Brazil, I would have shut up about it. Um, they kept it going, thinking somehow this was going to make them look better, even though I have no interest in ever visiting that beautiful place now, ever, um, unless I'm you know, traveling with some type of entourage to make sure that the government is not out to get me. And yet, Ryan Lochte comes home to the safe, safe shores of the United States of America, he hunkers down in North Carolina, and he signs up for Dancing with the Stars. Also to be found on Dancing with the Stars, we've discussed in other previous episodes, is Governor Rick Perry. You know, you would think a target of scorn and ridicule by many on the left and other people who, you know, just don't know him or don't follow politics. But it wasn't Governor Perry who brought the wrath and the ire of the diehard Dancing with the Stars fans. It was Ryan Lochte. The man who has won the second most medals in the history of swimming. If he had swum at any other time in history other than against Michael Phelps, he would have been a legend. The man has now gone on Dancing with the Stars. And the people on Dancing with the Stars have allowed him to be attacked by people in the audience.
2: Yeah, this was really bizarre. Um, you, you. This is not. It takes a lot to get me to say, "Hey, let's talk about Dancing with the Stars on the podcast today." Um, but this did it because you know of, of all the as if it wasn't bizarre enough. Um, apparently, there's not one but two people in the audience rush out. Um, they didn't televise it. Apparently, they had the picture on one of the judges, and um, uh, the the camera was on one of the judges, and all of a sudden you see her saying kind of frantically, "Excuse me, excuse me," you know, and you can hear the the murmurings in the audience. Uh, that there's been, something's going on that they're not showing us. And then they've kind of awkwardly and quickly cut to commercial. And I don't think they even gave viewers that much of an explanation until afterwards. Apparently two people rushed out and attacked Ryan Lochte. And, um, you know, uh, some people are saying he deserved a second chance, you know, uh, that it really kind of disrupted the evening or something. Uh, you forgot to mention one part though, Mickey, that, uh, somebody did come out of the audience uh, to attack Rick Perry and he just shot him dead right there on the spot.
0: So, uh, <laughs> kind of like that
2: coyote when he was jogging a few years ago, like no, you don't, you don't try that stuff in Texas, pal. You know. And then he, I've uh, seen Rick Perry
0: shoot an AR. Let me tell you, that guy can hit a pie plate at two hundred yards. He's awesome. Yeah, so.
1: I am I, a fan, as you all know. Hey. Um, however, these guys ran out with no Locky T-shirts on. And when I've seen the uncut footage um, that ABC did eventually release, um, and also, of course, one thing that always gets them, cell phone. Mm -hmm. Cell phone footage that came out from some of Lochte's teammates that were there to support him and other people that were just in the audience and thought to grab their phones um, had captured that there were also women sitting in the audience with these No Lochte t-shirts on that were jumping up and down and cheering. And I'm like, okay, first of all, when, you know, the little Hugh boy has to be the one who goes out and does, quote, security. I'm not going to a Dancing with the Stars taping. No. I'm not participating in Dancing with the Stars, and I'm not showing up to watch because if they're letting these people on to what is a live tape show, then, you know, forgive me for being all conspiratorial <laughs> and whatnot, but I'm like, uh, how are you keeping me safe exactly?
0: They were hoping yeah. for the protest, I think.
2: You know, in some ways, you kind of wondered maybe this was um, that you know part of ABC was not uh, entirely heartbroken by this. Although I think certainly <laughs> they're going to have to make you – know, you're going to have to start cordoning off the dance floor. You can't just have everybody running up and, and jumping and, and chasing after people like that. Um, I, I do think got all, a
1: great deal of press for their opening night. Yeah. That's all um, I can.
2: I do kind of find myself like – one, I can't imagine – um, being that furious about uh, somebody that you decide to jump, you know, you know you're going to get arrested, right? You're trespassing, you're, you're attacking somebody. Um, I, I can't believe the per- that no one decided to attack Vanilla Ice, uh, Amber Rose. <laughs> Just know, right? for the music, Vanilla Ice, and who cares he, what he's doing? My girl
1: Kim Kardashian was on Dancing with the Stars years ago. If they, you know, legitimately, I feel like if there are haters in the world, <laughs> she's collected them.
2: Yeah, like, and so the idea and is- just
1: don't feel like one. He's had a long enough time to collect that vitriol of a hater. Um, I, there were a lot of people saying like, "Oh, well, that's because you know he he just came back too soon," and it almost felt like Hollywood was trying to punish him. Yeah, because people who were saying this on TV are the people who talk about entertainment for a living and they're kind of you know they're like the political anchors only they're for entertainment and this is what they talk about nearly all day long and their quote unquote narrative instead of storyline or story or idea that they're all sharing since that seems to be the word of the year as well seems to be that lofty you know tried too hard as i mentioned in my federalist thing about kanye Um, But no, it really, like, they're legitimately coming out and saying, well, he came back too soon to say I'm sorry. I'm like, no, you do realize, one, this may have been planned well in advance or at least discussed that they were going to get two Olympians. Because everyone's talking about Lochte, but the reality of the situation is that little Lori Hernandez is who really stole the show that night. Again, you're talking about the controversy and not the programming, which is really freaking frustrating. Mm -hmm.
2: One of the things that about Dancing with the Stars doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, we should point out, you know, Rick Perry, I'm looking at the, apparently he had the lowest judges scores. Uh, he got all fives. Um, so I guess he might be the one who's most on the bubble. I guess people will vote uh, within a couple of days. But, you know, apparently he, he said he, his, his daughter's getting married and he wanted to learn how to dance for the wedding, but he's never danced before. To put him on the same stage as Vanilla Ice, who let's I'm not, I'm not saying Vanilla Ice is Barishnikov. Right, but
1: you'd assume
2: also wasn't um,
1: (laughs) professionally since he was like 14 years old. So yeah,
2: right? Wasn't uh, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Kanye's ex. Yes. Uh,
1: Amber Rose.
2: Amber Rose. Wasn't she a stripper?
1: They've (laughs) had several people that have dance backgrounds
2: on this show, which I find very confusing. Some of these people are not completely inexperienced, and then we're going to take a random. uh, I remember. Okay, so you know Tucker Carlson.
1: Fun is the idea that some people, you know, it's all different levels of dance skill. What I do think is unfair is, like I said, you've got Lori Hernandez, who is, if not a trained dancer, you know, gymnastics is as close as you come. Not to mention, they call her the walking human emoji for a reason. She is the cutest thing I have ever seen. I would like a little Lori Hernandez doll. Like, I don't want an actual kid, but I wouldn't mind having a doll that looked and acted just like her. She's so damn cute. And she can actually, obviously, with all of her body control, do anything on this dance floor. And I can't wait, because you know she's going to be doing backflips and God knows what else.
0: Sean without, Johnson already without did without this.
1: out the performances. And so there really is no comparison between who's going to be a better dancer. What's going to be interesting is who the audience wants to keep seeing each week. The good people or the people that they can laugh at?
2: Well, <laughs> we have to dance our way towards the exit. We'll be right back after this. How many bacon packages do you look at before you find one you like? Bacon, 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 bacon. Bacon! Well, Oscar Meyer knows just what you're looking for.
1: Bacon that cooks up like this with nice, even slices and the best balance of fat to lean. At Oscar Mayer, that's the way we select our bacon, too, before you ever see it. You get consistently high-quality bacon every time because we do what you do before you do it. Oscar Mayer, America's best-selling bacon.
2: Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and we're almost at the end of our program we always like to wrap up with our Trivial Tuesday uh, offerings. This is the kind of uh, open question that Mickey asks on Twitter each Tuesday. This week she asked, what three things you would take with you if you were stranded on an island? Now, Mickey, I noticed you didn't specify which island. So it's like Long Island. Is this
1: <laughs> yeah. okay? To be fair, I should have been more clear. A deserted island, and, but you will notice that my follow-up was a little more clear in suggesting that you know the ship has wrecked. You have three things you can take with you. What are they going to be?
2: Um, I'm looking at the options. First of all, let me ask you, Mickey, what would you bring?
1: Interesting. I was not able to come up with something that was solid and funny enough to put out, and so therefore I had to give it a lot more thought. And what I realized is my number one concern was having a phone with an endless battery.
2: Mm, Okay.
1: So I want a phone with an endless battery, and I don't know if that's one or two. Um, I'd also like some water. I uh, want to make sure that I have something. So instead of just taking a bottle of water, uh, again, giving this a great deal of thought, I want something that processes salt water into water.
2: Good selections there. Uh, So you never end up reading needing to, you know, uh, Kevin Costner and Waterworld your way out of the problem by (laughs) taking your own pee.
1: And as my last and final thing is I would like a yurt.
2: A yurt. Y-U-R-T. As in the type hot type thing. Genghis yes, Khans. they are
1: portable homes that you can pop up and live in uh-huh. for years at a time. So I would like a yurt. Okay. Right. I'd, so, like, uh, uh,
0: I'd like two supermodels and a, and a supermodel. That'd be fun. <laughs> nice. What about you, Jim?
2: Well, uh, if supermodel who knows survival skills is not an option. <laughs> um, so as I'm going through this list, I'm thinking, is the materials to build an airport with regular service to the mainland a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> Short of that a seaplane, right? So you have like, at least one of your dream three big, choices. Big. At least one of your three choices should be a way to get off the island. But then the other <laughs> ones are like if you know, considering the state of our lives and the state of the world, maybe you want to stay on that island. Maybe. At that point, you know, a water filtration system makes a great deal of sense. You have fresh water. I'm assuming the Desert Island has a uh, uh Notice regular... that mine
1: was much more about staying. It was about having fresh water, a yurt. And, you know, communication to the outside world, if I wanted it. It wasn't necessarily about escaping an island. I
2: was going to say, does Mr. Biased or would Mrs. Campaign Spot count as one of the things as you could take on an island? I
1: can like, assume that they're with you, like, okay. in the shipwreck scenario. But, yeah, I mean, theoretically, yeah, everybody gets to bring their spouse. Um, one of our listeners, I thought that was really funny, since Dave went with a supermodel selection, was more specific and just said Kate Upton.
2: <laughs> oh, there you go! And with all the Sports Illustrated shoots, she's probably familiar with all these tropical environments. I so, might also
0: exactly. suggest she's that uh,
2: survivalist as well. Kate
0: Upton could be considered three things by some people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, on the, you know, in that category, uh, Jazz Shaw of Hot Air, one of our regular listeners, uh, contributed. His three options were number one, his wife; number two, bottled water; and number three, yacht. <laughs> um, without really specifying whether the yacht is enough to get back to the mainland or not. Or maybe you just want to take your yacht around your own private island. Um, Brad Essex, another one of our regular listeners, had, had a very you know two very logical choices and then one, um, uh, one for fun. He kind of MacGyver's his way on the first two, wanting a Swiss Army knife and number two, duct tape. Uh, he says, therefore, I can build a fort, kill, and cook food by like, killing with a Swiss Army knife. Uh, you gotta make sure you don't stab the right way and the and the blade doesn't fold back on you. <laughs> yeah, because you know it's put
1: this army knife so you can build what you need to to stab people or kill things.
2: There we go. Sharpen Sharpening sharpen your bamboo or That's something. That's right. Uh and his third item was to oh and this is the third one was every DC graphic novel. Um is that way he'll have books to read or something. I'm picturing him like binding all the graphic novels together to make a raft. But anyway, so uh those were his options from there. Um you know, it's interesting. If I, if I really had, I guess... You know, idea- it's obviously a key part of this. Yeah. I guess the question is like, are you looking for fun on your island or are you looking for um, methods of survival, right? Like How you answer that question is, says a lot about you probably.
1: Oh, absolutely. And again, whether you are looking for fun, whether you're looking for survival or whether you're looking for escape back to the mainland. Like, if you look through some of the the interesting choices that we made there, I mean, obviously, I feel like if you've selected Kate Upton and a bottle of water, you're not going anywhere.
2: <laughs> Maybe you'd want antibiotics.
1: Right, you know, like, I'm Maybe not thinking, would. like, that's really part of your concern. Like, <laughs> at all. Yeah, getting uh, back to the mainland not on your huge list. So I think yeah. that those that were more interested in signaling back to the mainland or building a raft to get back, much more focused on getting back to reality. And I think this says a lot about... Those was because it used to be back and they like, oh, I want to survive. I want to do this, this. Not me. I've decided I want to thrive. I don't want to survive on my private stranded you island. Make,
2: you could make and a I'm really
1: bad. Like if I get lucky enough to end up on a private island with Mr. Bias and our cats and, and Shiloh, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm taking my yurt. I'm taking my phone in case I need, you know, y'all need to reach me or whatever, but I'll have my water and my yurt and I'm good.
2: I think you could make a really good comedy movie about a guy who had some Sports Illustrated swimsuit shoot or something. The boat goes down and he's stranded on a desert island with Kate Upton. And then he spends the rest of the movie doing everything he can to make sure they don't get rescued. Yes. (laughs) Putting out the fire when they make smoke. You know. What if
1: I told you there is a movie out there like this. It stars Amanda Bynes of all people. And it's absolutely delightful based exactly on what you are saying right this very second. She um, works at a hotel on a resort, ends up stranded, quote unquote, with a rock star that she has a huge crush on, but she's actually just on the opposite side of the island and it's a disney movie you know kind of coming of age early teen thing before man and binds went crazy so if that is something that you would like to see it's out there and it's waiting for you
0: three two one go
1: i cannot believe it but we have again blown through yet another hour of the jim and mickey show um guys this is the fastest week or fastest hour of my week without a doubt and uh well, other podcasts and other radio shows may often, you know, concern themselves with the idea of having dead air. That is something that is never a problem around here. So, uh, thanks to everyone who has been listening. Um, we do grow every week. Our thousands of listeners can be found at SoundCloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show you can catch all of our previous episodes and it's my understanding that some of them really hold up even after two years you can also like us at facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show find us on twitter at Jim and Mickey and I'm Mickey White he's Jim Garrity you've been listening to the one and only Jim and Mickey show we'll be back next week hello
0: I must be going